Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Inside Boxing Live. We're coming to you from Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar. I'm your host, uh, Dan Canobio. We're here in the heart of Manhattan here on 35th and 7th, just a few steps away from Madison Square Garden. And this Saturday on ESPN, you will see the return of Vasil Lomachenko when he gets back into the ring and he fights Jose Pedraza. Also on that card, Tiafimo Lopez, Isaac Dogbe. It's going to be a great show to, to wrap up. Uh, 2018. We have a great show for you today here at, at Jack Doyle's. Joining us on this very set, like I just talked about, Teofimo uh, Lopez. He's the 2017 prospect of the year. He's a fighter on a fast track. He wants Vasil Lomachenko. He wants all the glory. You've seen him in the ring doing his backflips and his Fortnite dances. We'll talk to him uh, about uh, his career and what he has in store for the upcoming year. Also joining us on the show, he is Mark Kriegel. He is ESPN journalist, ESPN broadcaster. Uh, you've known him for a long time covering the sweet science. We'll get his thoughts on uh, on Wilder Fury, uh, his thoughts on the, this upcoming card on ESPN, just the state of the game and HBO too, because HBO uh, on this Saturday is also has a card. It'll be their final show of the year, and I'll have some remarks on that uh, in the close of the show. And finally, our third guest of the program is Gentleman Jerry Cooney. You know him. He's the heavyweight contender from uh, back in the 70s and 80s. He fought Larry Holmes. He fought Ken Norton. Uh, he's a serious XM host. We'll get his thoughts on uh, Wilder and Fury, too. Uh, I just want to talk about some of the punch stats from Wilder and Fury. Uh, great fight. We saw this past weekend on, on Showtime pay-per-view. It looks like it did great business. Uh, Mike Coppinger from The Ring is reporting uh, that it did 320,000 buys, which is a really good number in this current uh, business climate. I think 320,000 is a, is a huge number. So it was a big success for, for Showtime. Uh, but, you know, just from, just from the actual fight standpoint, uh, CompuBox, of course, we had the numbers for this fight, and a lot of people were upset with the draw. You know, I had Fury winning uh, narrowly. I did. I, did. I thought that, uh, you know, he did the better work in there. He was moving. He was dodging. Uh, he didn't dodge in the 12th round or the 5th round when he went down, but I thought that Fury did enough to, to get the win. Uh, just a few numbers here. Fury outlanded um, Wilder 84-71, to 71, and a lot of people w- were talking about those first five rounds and how it was hard to distinguish who got the better of who in those first five to make a case for, for Wilder, or to, to make a case for a draw. But if you take a look at the punch stats, first five rounds, Wilder out, actually outlanded Fury 36-22. to 22. I'm sorry, that was Fury outlanded Wilder 36 to 22 in those first five rounds. So it was Fury that came out of the gate hot. Some other, this is an interesting note. 24 of Wilder's 71 punches came in the two rounds where he scored a KO. So that means that Fury limited Wilder to 47 punches over the remaining 10 rounds. That's 4.7 punches a round. That's Tyson Fury with masterful defense. Uh, They were within two connects of each other in eight of the 12 rounds. So this was a lot closer fight than people uh, want to want to uh, lead on. Yes, I do think Fury won because he was fresher. And you want to use Max Kellerman's old saying: "Was who would you rather be at the end of the fight?" I'd rather have been Fury, even though the, the late 
drama at the end of the fight with Fury going down with two minutes left in the fight and rising up like The Undertaker. You've seen all the gifts. You know, you've seen everything on, on Twitter. I think it was a great fight. It was compelling. It wasn't, you know, uh, Holyfield bow won. No. I mean, there were each guy landed about 80 punches, like I just said. It wasn't, you know, this barn burner toe-to-toe, but it was, it was a great, great fight. And now what we're going to see in boxing is we have three compelling heavyweight fighters in the game right now. We have Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, and Deontay Wilder. Hopefully, I'm being positive. I like to stay positive on this show. Hopefully, all three of them fight each other in a round robin, and they kind of, you know, catapult the sport and keep the heavyweight boxing uh, division relevant and we can see some more big-time matchups because we see from Wilder now, 300,000 buys. He's a pay-per-view star in this current climate. 300,000 is, is, is a huge number uh, for pay-per-view now, if pay-per-view is even going to be a thing mo- moving forward. But we got a big show for you today. We're coming to you from Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar right here in the heart of New York City. we got Teofimo Lopez, we got Jerry Cooney, and we got Mark Kriegel, and it's coming up next. Okay, before we get to uh, Jerry Cooney, got to tell you about uh, Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar. Jack Doyle's located on 35th and 7th. We're here right now. Come check out some NFL action. All the bowl games are starting off. This is a West Virginia bar, home of the Mountaineers. You can come check out their bowl game, as well as all the big boxing and UFC matches. Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located here on 35th and 7th. And with that, we're going to bring in uh, gentleman Jerry Cooney, former heavyweight contender, current Sirius XM host, and all-around good guy. He's the pride of Long Island. Island out in Huntington. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on and, and joining us, Jerry. How are you doing today? Stop. You're making me blush. <laughs> I mean, you, you got no, quite a bio, you. my man. Quite a bio. And uh, and I'm a Long Island guy myself, so whenever I hear about uh, you know great uh, Long Island athletes, I always take notice. It's always good. Thank you. So Saturday night, I want to talk to you. I want to get your thoughts on, on on Wilder and Fury. I know you were out at the fight. I know you talked to, to Wilder on your on your serious show. Uh, on on Monday and to get his thoughts and everything. First of all, I know you had uh, Fury up on, I think you said you had him winning eight or nine rounds. You know, just talk a little about the fight and and what you saw uh, that night out of the Staples Center. Listen, I want to thank you for having me on your show. I enjoyed coming on your show. You got a great show. Thank you. Appreciate that. Secondly, I want to tell you, yes, I was at the fights. I went into the fight thinking that Wilder was going to knock him silly. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I saw Wilder get, hit, get a hit with a shot by Stevie Cunningham years, a couple of years ago in the garden. And, and Tyson went on the floor. Right. And this fight, I thought that Wilder was frustrated all these years. He got three or four guys tested positive. He, he didn't get to develop his career to come up to a guy like Anthony Joshua. And this was going to be his moment. But in the fight, i got to tell you something. It's a miracle what Tyson Fury did. He, he went away for two and a half years, put on 200 pounds, you know, ate and drank and took drugs and mm-hmm. has some kind of illness. Comes back, gets in shape. You got to figure this guy's going to be murdered because he hasn't been active enough. And, and Wilder's such a, a beast. He's knocked out all 40 guys he fought. Right. That's not what happened. He befuddled Deontay Wilder. He mixed him up. He kept fainting, keeping him off balance. Same thing what he did with... with um, Let's go. Uh, yep. When he won the title, yep. and I got to take my hat. He's the real Rocky story. Now, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I was absolutely shocked by the the. Uh, but, but first of all, his weight loss, 
and the fact that he came in in such good shape that's I'm talking about Fury and his his boxing ability he came in right from the opening bell fainting and moving you know sticking the one twos didn't exactly have the punching power uh, to put uh, Wilder away but just talk about how hard it is to come back from like you talked about with with, uh, with, with Fury and the, the drug problems and the weight and the, the you know ballooning up to 400 pounds wow. just to come back from that and be in a fight like that and you know a lot of people thought he won just talk a little about how hard it is to come back from those types of demons oh come on 140 pounds 150 pounds to take off wild listen he was he was he got in shape he messed up with drugs and drinking and had a lot of mental problems came back made it maybe he needs a challenge because he made it he, when he after he beat um klitschko he went he developed he won his challenge mm-hmm. and he went off the went off the right the track right. but he's back and I tell you what, as the fight progressed, Tyson Fury got more confident and started landing some right hands. I don't know if you know it, but twice in the fight, I felt like he rocked the yeah, Wilder. he did. He did, and especially after he, after he, uh, he got knocked down. He came back up, and not only did he didn't just survive those remaining two minutes, he actually took the fight uh, to Wilder, and he, and he did rock him a few times, even in, in the 12th round. But talking about Wilder, were you surprised how far he deviated from his game plan? Well, I mean, he didn't deviate. That's how he fights. But he needs to learn how to make adjustments when you're in a fight like that and you can't get inside on the guy. I mean, for me, I love that. A guy six foot nine with those long arms. Once I block the jab and I get into the body, there's nothing he can do. His arms are so long. Mm-hmm. You can't miss the body. The body is something you can't miss. He missed right hands to the head all the time, all night long. I told him, I said, listen, don't you have somebody in your corner telling you to make adjustments? When you throw the right hand and miss, come up with a left uppercut, you would have caught Fury right on the jaw. Right. But 12 rounds, he did the same thing. He never cut the ring off, never got to the side, and it was quite. And then we realized that he didn't have a big much, much of an amateur career, mm-hmm. and all his professional fights were knockouts. Right. So, you know, he needs to grow up in this, and I hope that for him, he finds another trainer. I would love to help him. I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the training business. Now. I'm just getting in the training business. Matter of fact, I'm opening my gym today for the first time in Scotch Plains on 22. And, you know, I, he needs someone to teach him how to, you know, adapt to each style. Right. What to do, you you can't count on that right hand all the time. Now, Jerry... Sometimes you, it doesn't work. What did he say when you asked him, when you said, why didn't you go, you know, inside? Why didn't you go to the body? Why didn't you use the jab? What did he say when he you... He said, said because that? he was in his head. And he was so uh, pressured. He felt pressured to... To, uh, to fight hard, to be, to be women. Sometimes when you try too hard, you can't find it. And you know, you know, I'm gonna tell you something. I had, spoke to the referee, Jack Reese. He hmm. said in the 12th round, when Tyson Fury went down, he started to count. His eyes were closed. Oh, jeez. And he said when he got to five, Tyson Fury's eyes woke up and he jumped right up. <laughs> So it, it felt like he was out, but woke up and jumped right up. It was unbelievable. I mean, it was something like, you know, he's a very spiritual guy, uh, Tyson Fury. And he said he felt like, you know, the power of God just like took over his body and he, and he got back up. I mean, have you ever seen anything like that? Some, I thought the same thing. This had to be from God. From all he's been through, yeah. he woke up and jumped up and finished strong. Unbelievable. Now, you know, you've been part of, of big-time fights. I mean, no other than your fight with Larry Holmes. And I'm not saying that this fight went, you know, towards that route in the promotion-wise. 
but you've been part of big fights. Do you think that Wilder, there was a, it was a part of him that kind of he was a little drained going into the fight. We saw that big outburst that he had at the press conference. And uh, he's a guy that's a very emotional guy to begin with. Now you throw in the fact that he's fighting Tyson Fury, who's a loud mouth and a guy that can really uh, work the mic. And it's his first pay-per-view fight. Do you think he took a little bit of extra baggage with him into the ring on Saturday night? That's Deontay Wilder. I think that Deontay Wilder, you know, obviously Ty- Tyson Fury was the, the leader with his mouth and his promotion and yeah. what he had to say over and over again. I think Deontay got stuck in that and couldn't follow up on it. And I also think that maybe Deontay Wilder trained a little too hard because he was only 212 pounds. He needs to be beefed up a little bit. He needs to be a little, he's 215 less. I thought he was going to come in a little bit heavier. But he loves to be, he told me he's a gym rat. He likes to be in the gym all the time, but you got to balance that out. So your weight is right, so you have the stamina. And I think it was a big moment. It was a very big moment. And I think, quite frankly, Tyson Fury got to him. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Now, what do you want to see next? I mean, there's, uh, right, it's the biggest question right now on Twitter and within the boxing community is, you know, should Wilder give a rematch to Fury? Should Fury bypass uh, Deontay Wilder and fight Anthony Joshua? Should Deontay Wilder just finally take the fight with Anthony Joshua? Should they work it out? What would you like to see next, Jerry Cooney? Well, I think that I think Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder need to fight again and to find out about those adjustments and, and take it into another level. And then they come up, they raise their bar when they're going to fight uh, Anthony Joshua. Then they develop their 50-50. I mean, right now, you know, the big, the big talk is Anthony Joshua. This fight didn't prove, I mean, this fight really benefited Tyson Fury as far as the fight with Joshua. Right. It didn't help Deontay Wilder, in my opinion. Right. He and, can't go and ask for 50%. He can't go and ask for 40%. Right. He's got to prove that he can make a better, adapt better in, in a fight with anybody. Yeah, I was a little surprised when I heard Wilder say he wants to give Fury a rematch right away. I think that uh, a lot of people thought that he would avoid it at all costs. Like, you know, a, a reason why so many fighters avoided uh, Floyd Mayweather, because he makes you look bad in there. Were you surprised that well, Wilder you know wants you to get he back in there? found out that in his head he was, uh, you know, Fury, you know, won the match with, with the voices and what they have to say. Right. And he knows that he made a lot of mistakes and he wasn't himself. But I, I heard Fury, I heard Wilder say, He's not sure if he's going to fight him right away. I think it needs to happen right away. Right. You can't get a couple. Anything can happen with a rematch with anybody. You got to take this fight right away and get that shot at Joshua. Can you please put to bed the this this long ten count that we're hearing from Wilder's side? That was not a long ten count. You know, I mean, probably a dumb thing that Wilder said, but when you you pay attention to the count. Jack Reese did a great job. I mean, you sort of the articles come out yep. that they think he's one of the best referees in the business, mm-hmm. and I agree. And he, this 10 count was fine. But it didn't matter once Fury, you know, when he got to five, Fury jumped right up. His eyes opened and he woke up. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, that's the story. And they're not going to change any decision because of that. No, no, no. And quite frankly, I felt that, you know, Tyson Fury won that bout. In fact, I told Tyson, I told Deontay Wilder that. And what did he say? He just was kind of didn't argue with me about it, and was kind of mellow about it. So, you know, he knew he was befuddled in there. He knew he got, he had, to, he didn't have the upper hand, and he had, he learned a lot of things that you can't depend on that right hand. You have to set the right hand up. You have to understand that Fury was realizes you have a great right hand. He kept dipping out of the way. So you got to have a comeback punch. You got to, you have to have a plan. When yeah. that happens, right. how to adjust. 
Now, so we've got to learn that. So much was made of Tyson Fury and his comeback from, you know, the depths of, of, of hell, really. You know, talking about, you know, yeah. wanting to commit suicide and substance abuse. Do you feel like there was a little part of you that kind of identified with Tyson Fury? I know a lot of your, you know, your issues back in the 80s and the 70s were well documented. Did you see a little bit of Tyson Fury in yourself? You know, I did. He ran, he ran. Whatever the reason is, he didn't trust himself. You know, we, we went got a lot of demons, especially the Irish people, about the past and you're not good enough and you failed and all that stuff kind of leads you out to numb out of the pain. And I think that's what he did and that's what I did too. And then we found that that's not the answer. So, you know, I put together 30 years, I haven't had a drink or a drink, 30 years. Wow. And I think that he's found his way of helping people and to get close to his God and to focus more. And, and I think, frankly, he has a style that's very awkward. I, I mean, I would love to fight a style like that myself because I know once I get inside that jab, I got nothing but, but body. You know, I'm really interested in, in Jerry Cooney, the, the trainer. I really think you got something here. And uh, tell us a little about your gym that you're just opening and what you got going on in your life right now. Well, you know, I had a great trainer between Victor Valley, who really was the guy in my life growing up. He was a great tactician. He was a great teacher. I had Gil Clancy taught me a lot of good things. Yep. And I think from all that, what I learned about life and, and through my experiences of growing up, I had the great ability to, to keep somebody safe, stay back in your body, stay focused, Use that jab to set everything up, and then get inside. Don't stay, like, you know, while it was staying in Fury's comfort zone, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. you got to make Tyson Fury uncomfortable. You have to get in his, his comfort zone and make him uncomfortable, make him make a mistake. Absolutely. And these are the styles that we need to, to develop. That's the old trainers like Eddie Fudge and um, Victor Valley and Gil Clinton. They taught that years ago, but they're not with us anymore. And so you got a lot of these young kids coming in. I'm not, and I'm not saying there's not good trainers out there. There are. But you have to, you know, develop that. I mean, I remember talking to uh, Triple G's trainer, and I, when he fought Alvarez, yeah. I said, listen, couldn't you teach him to cut the ring off? You know what he told me, Abel Sanchez? What did he say? He said, we didn't think he was going to run. Oh, I said, well, yeah, but don't you plan on it in case it does happen? Yeah. And, and, and you know, Triple G just followed Alvarez around. Yeah. you got to find a way in you it's not maybe i can i don't know you got to right and and triple g and only landed eight, right and triple g only landed eight body punches he didn't go to the body at all but i like the i like it man i, I think you'd be a great trainer and, I, and uh obviously you, you do a great job with the serious xm radio show and uh you're the pride of long island you're you're okay in my book jerry cooney thank you for coming on the show and i look forward to seeing you ringside listen it was great to be with you thank you for me i really appreciate it and lots of uh, have a great holiday, everybody, okay? All right, thank you, Jerry. Take care. Okay, we're here at Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar, located here at 35th and 7th, right in the heart of Manhattan, the official sponsor of Inside Boxing Live. And a few steps down the street, Madison Square Garden, we'll see Lomachenko uh, taking on Pedraza in a main event on ESPN and calling that fight. Our guest right here, Mr. Mark Kriegel, was kind enough to take some time out of his workout regimen to join us here. At uh, here at Jack Doyle's, first of all, Mark, thanks for, for coming in. You know, I, I get the call, man. I'm, I'm ready to go. It's like getting the call from the bullpen. Right. It's like CompuBox needs Copy you. CompuBox needs you. I must serve. You show up with the CompuBox notes, which is mm -hmm. just, I love to see that. Well, I just got finished with your notes. Because I just, is, is every, I just, whatever CompuBox says, I just regurgitate on the air. <laughs> well, that's good. That's what we like to hear. 
But uh, Lomachenko this weekend, Saturday night, is actually like a, it's a really exciting card when you think about it from, from top to bottom. Uh, Teofimo Lopez will be on the card. Mm -hmm. Just got done talking to him. Uh, a great young up-and-coming fighter. you got Isaac, Isaac Dogbe, who's a champion in his own right, and, and Lomachenko coming off of uh, shoulder surgery. So what do you think of this card, first of all, from top to bottom? I think the, I think the card is, is excellent. Um, Dogbe in the top-ranked stable is kind of like found money. I, I think he's a superstar, right. or a possible superstar. He, he's just interesting. He's not yeah. like any other guy you've seen. He believes he's chosen by God, and therefore he he, he is. I mean, Nejo. he he had, but he has this idea that he that that he's doing divine work, and no one has disabused him of that notion. It's part of his father's vision for him or his grandfather's vision it, it, it's absolutely fascinating yeah. but it wasn't a conventional boxing upbringing you know most of the fighters in ghana are from a, a fishing village called called Accra. and he is like of royal blood he's from a, a different region of the country he's not a poor kid well educated. he was educated right. in london he's going to college he's a complete wild card and his dad is we know all the crazy father-son boxing stories and th this might be the craziest of all, but it's not. It's not malevolent. It's not malignant. It's the, the dad teaches himself to be a boxing trainer. Tells Isaac, "Listen, you know, stay with me. I'll get you to the Olympics." And lo and behold, he actually does. And he goes, "Stay with me. I'll get you a, a professional title." He gets him a professional title, and he beat. You know, everyone was shocked when he beat Jesse Magdaleno. I remember in the fighter meeting, me and Tim Bradley, Tim's like, yeah, this ain't gonna work. I said, I'm telling you, I think these guys are like, like crazy, like in a, in a good way crazy. I, I think that there's something to this. I don't know why, but I do. He goes out, you know, he goes down the first round. Tim's looking at me, he said, see, I told you so. Then he comes back, I think he puts him down, Magdaleno in the fifth, and takes him out in the 11th. And he's just, he is his own thing. He doesn't jab much. It's power. all power. Oops, yeah. it, 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 it's all power. And his sparring regimen, it, it's the strangest thing. Ever. It's like a family affair. He spars with his dad. He spars with his younger brother. He spars with his older brothers. I, I don't really understand so it. He don't, basically just beats the crap out of his family. It, it's, yeah, right. <laughs> In the gym. I know, it is. It's, it's like the Brady Bunch. It's like the, like the Brady Bunch or the meets the Westies or something. I don't know. And they, and Everyone's they, fighting. Right, he makes it work. I've had him on the show before. He's super interesting. And He's charming. Very charming. Uh, I don't know if he actually went through with it, but I know he has plans on, on going to college. Talking about going to Penn State, and just the thought of him on a campus. Now is, he's going to like hilarious. Arizona or something. I read. Okay, Arizona. He's changing it up. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's changed. Arizona University of Arizona. Something like more that. Party there school. was a couple. Yeah. Well, you know, hope, you, hope he stays on track. You can get in trouble anywhere in college. Yeah, it's true. It's very true. But how much do you love this stuff? I know you, you love doing this, and and uh, you found your niche with uh, on the broadcasting stuff, mm -hmm. on the broadcasting side with telling the fighter stories. Just the fact that you knew everything about uh, Dog Bay. He's just one of many fighters that you have covered in your long career. How much do you enjoy finding like the stories and going down to the training camps and finding out what makes these fighters go? Because I'll tell you right now, some of the most interesting stories come out of the world of boxing. It's um. It's my favorite part of this job or, or, or any job I've, I've ever had. Um, I, I, was telling, I was telling your dad before we came on. I sound like an old father. Right? Uh, I, I was telling your dad that the first fight, first fight we ever did together was Bo Holyfield uh, 1. And I was an accidental columnist. I, I was covering 
I was covering crack dealers and, and mafia trials as a, a general assignment reporter for the Daily News. And somehow they turned me into a sports columnist at the Post because it was like a, a really weak year for mm -hmm. sports columnists. So the news went on strike and the Post bought out all its, its writers. It was like the end of the newspaper business, so I was what was left over. And um, I felt ambivalently about covering sports. I really, you know, I, I wanted to be a city side columnist. I had all sorts of silly ideas. But covering that fight opened, opened my eyes. And I, I didn't feel like I was covering sports. I felt like I was covering something else. And I, I was more at home. It was more intimate. It was more violent. And, and, and usually, or as often as not, in a fight, there's this one or two moments where you can actually see the guy's soul, or maybe the, the, the girl's soul, on display. And and what you're also seeing in that moment is the fighter's backstory. You could, in any fight, it works like that. It, 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 you know, it's 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 a reason why there there are no um, there are no metaphors for boxing. All the other sports right. um, are are. Are metaphors for what boxing actually is, which is which is combat. So it, it works better. Basically, what I'm I'm saying is that boxing made me like a little bit better writer than I actually am. So I loved it, and and, and you could, and it's not like, it's not like covering you know, LeBron. Nothing against LeBron, but you don't have to go through an army of people. It, 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 there aren't that many layers to it. The fighters will basically tell you who they are. Um, without being as as guarded or as careful, um, and it's from from my purposes, it's wonderful. I mean, I always thought, I always said that the, the fight game works better for for writers yeah, than course. it does for for fighters. I mean, just from an interview standpoint, getting to yeah. talk to some of these guys. I mean, everyone comes with different walks of life. Just look at this card on on Saturday night. Uh, the top ranks putting on. You got Isaac Dogberry comes from Ghana and grew up in London. You got Tiafimo Lopez, who's a Brooklyn boy who moved out to Florida and Las probably Vegas. probably the best prospect Stud. the top rank has in terms in terms of you know stylistically talent. I think that I think that you know he can do he can box, but he's also violent. Yeah. And he and he has and he has the talent to put all that into effect and, right. and this inclination to be a showman. Yeah, the one thing about him that I really enjoyed him, him saying is that, you know, I want to be a, a great fighter, but also want to entertain, right. which you don't see a lot. Or you, you want to see more from your, your fighter, uh, you know, after the, afterwards, put on a good interview, you know, do a, a backflip that will be go right. viral on Instagram. And it's totally different now. Then you're in the, in, in the main event. you got uh, Vasil Lomachenko, who, who lets his fist do the talking. And you, you'll see videos of him coming out of, on Instagram where he's doing some ridiculous athletic right. feat. But even he's a quiet guy by nature, and he's more of a, a, a humble champion. He's an interesting guy, too, and uh, a pound-for-pound pound great. I spent, I mean, I have a sort of literary subspecialty, which is fathers and sons yeah. in boxing, and usually it, it ends badly. But the most functional, I mean, Dog Bay is an example, but if, if you look at Lomachenko and his father, Anatoly, it's the most functional, positive relationship and certainly the exception to the rule but he was he was created um, by his dad the, the most interesting training story I did a piece on him a year ago for his with the, um, for his fight at the garden with Rigondeaux most interesting training thing I came across was uh, he held his breath 
for three and a half minutes. Underwater, Underwater. Right? Underwater. That is insane. Come on, you can't do that. Uh, I'd be Your dad didn't right make you do that. No, we, we just really? played wiffle ball out on Long Island and we watched the fight. <laughs> there was no holding breath. But it didn't that awesome. He didn't force your head up. Like, come on. Okay, kid, come on. You uh, you part of the CompuBox training regimen? No, <laughs> yes. there's none of that. It was more yeah. finger exercises. And you got to like, do it underwater. Yeah, it was more of that. But didn't also learn Lomachenko's dad, didn't he also, like, he was like a dancer first to get the footwork. Mm, well, it, well, it's worth mentioning that, you know, whether or not he's the best fighter in the world or not, you can parse it all. Is it, Lom- is it, is it Crawford? Is it him? Is it, you know, you could, you could, what you can't argue, best footwork in boxing oh, yeah. is Lomachenko. And what his, what, his dad, what his dad does is say, you want, you want to box? Okay, here, here's the deal. You have to study. Do I have this thing right? Am you're I, I going to break it? No, you're right. Um, Oh, <laughs> down! You shouldn't have told me that. Down goes the mic. We're Look good. Um, this is gonna fall again, fellas. Um, the you got a mic malfunction here, fellas. We gotta tighten it. All right. Oh, we're good. Okay. Where where were we on Lomachenko? Yeah, Lomachenko. You're talking about how his dad. His his dad said, "You want to fight? Okay, great. You need to take traditional Ukrainian." Folk dance. That's unbelievable. Now, you know, if you're like a whatever, eight-year-old kid, nine-year-old kid, and you got to wear like the yeah. satin shorts or pantaloons or whatever, you're like, come yeah. on, Dad. Yeah. So I'm sure he didn't want to do it, but that was the deal. So we studied traditional Ukrainian foot, uh, folk dance for whatever, three, four years, and that evidently had a great impact. Wow. What's the, your favorite storyline from a fight or favorite fight you've ever covered? Bo Holyfield won. That's it? First was fight? My, was my was my was my. It, it introduced me, and no, no BS. It introduced me to the majesty of, of boxing, and I, it was like it was a revelation because the same charge I got at a really electric live moments covering news I got from that. I, I didn't get that in, in the other sports nearly as much. You know, if you go to a, a Met game with Jeff Torborg, I know I'm dating myself. You know, it's hard to leave feeling inspired or, or that you've seen, you've seen something you know, majestic. But that night, I, I knew I saw something that would, that would stay with me, yeah. and, and it has. Um, there were other, other fights, um, but that was, that was fresh, and it was a heavyweight fight. It was a title fight, and no one understood how good or how tough Holyfield was at the time. He was still regarded as a as a blown up like heavyweight, yeah, right. um, cruiserweight. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it, no one really understood what they were dealing with. And certainly at that time, we're still held under the spell of Tyson, 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 Tyson. Yeah, it was thought that Tyson was this indestructible, invulnerable force, which of course he was not. And people didn't understand what Holyfield was until he just walked right through him. Right. Now, when you fast forward to today, the heavyweight division is, is very exciting. We were talking about this off camera. Uh, you know, people calling Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, an epic fight. You know, I, I, I mean, it was, it was it had the storylines. It was real good. Right. It had the, it had the storylines for the casual fan was there. Like, everyone knows who Wilder is from his knockout power and the fact that he's an American. Tyson Fury, everyone knows him from beating Klitschko, and he's he's a loudmouth Brit, and his his story is is compelling in itself. But you know, in the ring, it had their moments. There were knockdowns too, which fans love. 
Right. right. There was a little bit of drama in there. Like there was a guy who was boxing well, then you got with the home run punch with with Wilder, and of course the twelfth round that was something out of a, of a Rocky movie, getting knocked down, getting back up, and, and fighting to the le- that last bell. But uh, how did you summarize that? And obviously, did you have Fury winning? I actually had it one thirteen, one thirteen. Okay. But I thought that uh, forgetting the numbers, which I know is. Not the purpose on 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 CompuBox. Right, that's another thing. People gotta know um, that they don't they but, dictate a winner. I, I I bent over backwards to give Wilder a round or two, mm-hmm. um, when perhaps I shouldn't have. I look back on the card. I don't know, um, but at the end I had it one thirteen one thirteen with the two knockdowns. On balance, though, I don't think you can avoid the conclusion that. Fury gave him a boxing lesson right. and exposed how vulnerable he was and how um, it just didn't look good. I mean, he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't have a plan B. It was all about that right hand. That said, flaws make you interesting. And Deontay Wilder was a supremely interesting fighter because you can argue both ways. He's a nice guy. He's a colorful guy. He also has... Greater power, I think, than, than, than I've ever seen. Maybe Foreman. I was just a different kind of power. Yeah, it was like that I, short I've never, compact, right. I've never seen. I've never seen a puncher quite like this in the heavyweight division. Certainly not Tyson. It's like Wilder can hit you with a glancing blow that takes you out. Um, and the fact that he's what, he came in at two twelve for this and fight. He's, you know, he's he's long and right. skinny and. Um, it, it, it's, a, it's a completely interesting fighter, but he touches you with that right hand. Right. I mean, look, <clears throat> taking out Luis Ortiz, that's a real accomplishment. Putting down Tyson Fury, that's a real accomplishment. Coming within just a hair of taking him out, that's extraordinary. The, the drama of the fight, the sentiment of the fight is taken by Fury because he rises at just the right that time. That guy's great, And man. listen, if, if, I'm, if I'm the WWE... Yeah. I signed Tyson Fury 100%, yesterday. 100%. I throw as much money as I can at him. Um, the guy's charismatic he, as well. He's charismatic. I, I did a piece with him. He He's as good a talker as, as I've encountered. He also has the completely unappreciated, undervalued asset in public life, which is he is funny as... Yeah, he's very you know, funny. He has a sense of humor, and he can laugh at himself, right. which, you, which you don't find... Often in people, you certainly don't find it in fighters. No, I mean, um, yeah. Just talking about the heavyweight division now, you bring up uh, Holyfield and Bo back in '92, and you know, boxing fans always want to hark back to the the kings of the '80s and uh, and all that stuff. But right now, with the heavyweight division, we got three very compelling. Mm-hmm. You just made a case for Fury, you made a case for Wilder, Anthony Joshua was looming there. So right now, you know, people want to talk about, you know, how do we bring boxing back to the mainstream? Let me rain on the parade for a second. Right, go ahead. I think you can argue that the heavyweight division is back, but I don't think it will ever be the same in this country as it was. I guess the last great age we had was was the 90s for American heavyweights. Right. Because, listen, if, if you're an American kid and you have a heavyweight body, you want to spend, you want to spend your adolescence in, in the gym? It's either football or boxing. Or, or you want to go boxing. to, like, the Nike camp, or you want to go on, right. like, some travel well, way squad Way more glamorous. Much yeah. more glamorous when you're on, the right. in basketball or so football. So what you, what you have now is this real drain in the talent pool, at least on the American side. Um, an American heavyweight 
is almost by definition a guy who failed at something else. Well, that's what, that's what Fury said to him, which set him off at the press conference. You, oh, failed, at, you failed at football. You failed right. at best. He tried to play uh, wide receiver at Alabama. Right. Wilder. And, and, um, and, and by the same token, Fury is not like – I don't know what – Great athletic grace he has, other than other than no, you're right. boxing, which right. he really knows yeah. in his bones. Right. It's got to be in your blood. You know, I was he has great the, composure right. in combat. I was watching the fight with a bunch of friends that you know don't normally watch boxing, and that's what a heavyweight fight can do. But they looked at Tyson Fury. They're like, "How old is this guy? In his 40s?" I was like, "No, he's 30 years old." Yeah. And they looked at his body, and they're like, "He does not look like an athlete at all." But like you said, you got to be born with those skills. Right. To, to, I mean, he, he was ducking. He was. He's also he's a he's a you know his, his dad was a, a bare knuckle. Right. The gypsy brawler, story. Right. right. And his dad was, a, even though he was six five, much more compact, um, you know, much more inside type of guy. Fury is his own is his own fighter. He, he's 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 a natural boxer. Right. And it's six nine with that. He's an eighty. I think it's eighty five inch reach. It's crazy. And he knows how to use it. Right. The, his problem is, is that even, you know, a couple of times when he hits him with the right hand, you know, when he, he works his way in with the right. jab, he just doesn't have the power to put anyone out. So the question is, it, it's usually can he, can he survive? What do you see next? Do you see a rematch with Wilder, or do you think he just jumps right to right for the all-British action with, with uh, Joshua Fury? I, I, I'd like to see him have a rematch with yeah. Wilder. I don't, you know, um, I, I'd like to see the rematch with Wilder. I'd like to see that resolve. But I'll, I'll settle for anything. It's been, you know, it's been a, that's, a, a barren time that's in, in the heavyweight division. Finally, so, have three guys that can like kind of all right. fight each other. I, I rematches. I think it's a damn shame, though. And I don't mean to like dump on on Wilder. I think it's a damn shame that you've had an American heavyweight champion for almost what is it? Four years. He won in two thousand yeah, December, yeah. January two thousand and fifteen. I right. That, so you've had an American heavyweight champion. Who talks? Who has a good backstory? Who knocks people out? And he has only now been in his first pay-per-view, and only now really entering the American consciousness. Right. Almost four years into his title reign, that, that, that's that's an undersold, underpromoted fighter to me. That, that the story never got out. There. Right. That's why he exploded at that that press conference, just because Fury kind of just said exactly what you just said. Like, right. no one knows who you are. I went on the street, and no one knew who you were. You're failed at this. I, I, I've walked down Times Square with him a couple of years ago, and people people didn't know. And it was a damn shame. I said. Heavyweight champion in the world. I know. It's just, it's, it is more. And me and your father's time, that meant something. If Riddick Bo walks down in Times Square, he's getting, he's getting mobbed and, and Holyfield. But, you know, I'm, I'm excited that there's, their heavyweights are relevant again. And if they do it correctly and, and the politics, I mean, we could talk a whole thing about that. Right. You know, it could be three to four years of them fighting each other with three matches and them fighting each other. But, you know, in a, in a, in a positive It should have been three or four years thinking. of Pacquiao Mayweather fighting Well, they're going to fight again. Yeah, they're going to fight know. again. But, but here's the deal. When people wanted them to fight, right. they wouldn't. Well, same thing now, with Crawford Now that people now. don't really care, it's like they won't stop. Right. Uh, you know, what I, I'll tell you a guy who suffered, in, in my mind, because of, because of this, um, was Keith Thurman. I know he's injured. Well, I, I know Keith he's Thurman. been on the shelf. Yeah. But this is a guy who really should be recognized as a, as a great fighter, a great talent. It's not his fault he's been injured, but because Mayweather didn't want to fight him, and I don't blame Mayweather for not wanting to fight him, he couldn't get enough, he couldn't get enough shine. The, the, the history of, of boxing 
is the old guy passes the torch. In, 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 in this era, you pass the torch to like pay-per-view mm. buys. And what you need to become a pay-per-view fighter is to beat a pay-per-view fighter. Of course. And, and, and that avenue was not open to a fighter like Thurman hasn't been open to Spence. I don't know what the Mikey fight will do. I, I like to fight, I like to see him fight Terence Crawford. Yeah, what's that, and it's, what it's part of my interest. I, you know, I, I right. broadcast the, the top ranked shows, but um, the way for guys to to get over, like like wrestlers, to enter the public consciousness is to fight each other. Yep. Um, and I, I don't, you know. Because it's, we always call it politics. It's not politics. It's economics. It's business. Because of the economic situation right. in boxing, that, that's, been, that's been difficult. Before we let you go, HBO put on their final card uh, this Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I know, 45-year run. I know you covered a lot of HBO fights. You know, also CompuBox, of course, mm-hmm. been uh, with HBO for a really long time. Your, your favorite moments from HBO and just kind of your thoughts on them exiting the, the world of boxing. I, 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 don't, I don't have a... If I went through, like, trying to find favorite moments, oh, well, this one, is that one. Just maybe your thought, overall thoughts of them leaving. Everybody in the sport owes an enormous debt to HBO. Um, more than any fighter, the guy who stands out to me was Larry Merchant. Because he, he made it explicit that, that writers should have a role. Yeah. In, in, in this sport and, and it's a sport that places a higher premium on storytelling than, than the other sports so what, what, what stands out to me the, the greatest of all glories and I'm biased um, for HBO Sports was, was Larry yeah and I'm happy to hear that he's going to be part of the yeah. broadcast Saturday night I'm looking forward to hearing from him. Mark really appreciate you Thanks, coming buddy. in I enjoyed this I can probably uh, pick your brain on boxing for about 30 more minutes, but I know you're a busy man. But uh, thank you for coming in. We'll talk Very to you welcome. soon. Look at this. Joining us on set right now, he is oh. a former Olympian. He's the 2017 Yahoo Prospect of the Year. And on Saturday night, he opens the show. ESPN, we fight Mason Minardi's Teofimo Lopez. Tio, thank you for showing up, first of all. I appreciate you being here, here at Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar. And I say that you'll be opening the show on Saturday. I know one day you, you want to be closing the show. Uh, tell us a little bit how your training camp's been going and how everything's going how you're back here in New York. Well, thanks for having me. Um, uh, everything's good. You know, of course, that'll be that one day where I'm going to close the show. But uh, as everything else, training camp has been going great, like always. Um, and, you know, but to be honest, this has been the toughest camp mentally. Why, mentally. why do you say that? Uh, just a lot of things going around. Just a lot of things going on uh, personally with family and everything like that. It's just so that right there, it takes a, it could, it could get to you at times. But you know, you have to still maintain and keep training and keep focusing on, on what's at task. How hard is it for you to keep those distractions out? Everyone has, you know, personal issues. Everyone has family stuff, especially around the holidays. Fighting around the holidays is a task in itself. But how do you kind of like, you know, keep that all out and just kind of stay laser focused for the task at hand? Um, you know, it's basically, uh, at the end of the day, this is my job. This is what I'm supposed to do. And, and I have a lot of people that are putting in money for this, you know. So at the end of the day, I can't let anyone else down, nor myself. 
Um, I've been doing this for 16 years now, and I'm not gonna pass that up any. I'm not gonna pass it up now. So 21 years old. Yeah, 21 years How old. How does it feel so. to be 21 in a bar now? Because now you can actually like drink. I don't know if you, you are no, a drinker. I don't, I don't, no, I don't drink. I don't drink. But um, you know, when I was when I used to be in, when I used to live in Miami and stuff yeah. like that, I used to um. But I was real young. I used to go to bars and everything. Yeah. I don't know how, but I got in <laughs> Maybe. those little spots. But uh, no, of course now legally, 21 years old, I could go to bars, clubs, anything like that. But do I choose to? Absolutely not. That's good. That's good. You gotta keep it that way. Um, Doesn't mean that I can't be over here, man. <laughs> yeah, right. Just hanging, hanging out. You can, out. Have, you can have a water. Yeah. You can of have course. a, a have soda. A soda. Exactly. I love of soda. Of course. <laughs> but you say you, you've been fighting since for 16 years. You're 21. I know my math isn't that great, but that's five years old. You started boxing. Yeah. I know you did some taekwondo as a kid. You know, five years old. That's pretty. That's a pretty young to, to get started in the game. You know. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, my father used to. He used to box over here in, in New York. He used to be at um, what was it? I mean, he used to. He used to train, I think it was in Park Slopes okay. or something, yeah. And um, my father was, you know, here. He did uh, he did the Golden Gloves, the Daily News Golden Gloves. Right. Uh, he did one fight as a uh, heavyweight. But okay. They put him in as super heavyweight. But uh, so me growing up and everything, at two years old, he had the gloves and he'll put them on me and I used to hit him. There's a video out there and um, that we have, but we have to look for it. It's like I was like two years old, gloves were whole, all the way up to my shoulders <laughs> and I'm hitting him in the face. And I think uh, naturally I just grasped into it, you know, yeah. without him forcing me to. He was actually focusing on training for himself, but he'll just bring me along to the boxing gyms and everything. Yeah. So you grew up in, in, in Brooklyn. You say, I know you moved when you were six and you said you moved out to Florida. But yeah. that's, I was going to ask you, like, where do you get your swag? Because, like, you know, you're oh. one of the, like, I mean, you got this. When you walked in, you got a presence about you. And we've seen you in the ring. We've seen you sh showboating a little bit, doing <laughs> the, the backflips and, and the Fortnite dances. But obviously, you say you're from you're Brooklyn. That's where the swag has to come from, right? No, yeah, my father. My father was out here. He lived here for 30 years. You know, he'll go back and forth from Honduras because, you know, he was there at times. Like, that's where my, my father was born. But then he'll go back and forth. It would be New York, here, New York, here. My father, you know. Like, um, that's where I got it from. And my mother as well, you know? So that's where we get that swag from. You got you to get find it somewhere. And you yeah. say that I wasn't going to get that in Florida. No. I don't know. What's, what's yeah. it like living in Florida? You move out of, a lot of people move from, from New York to Florida. It's like a, uh, yeah. from Florida to New York. That's like a, it happens all the time here. Mm -hmm. But what was it like growing up in Florida through the ranks? Was that a, a calculated move on your dad's part to get you better competition down in Florida? Or was that more of a, like a family thing? It was more of a family thing. I think he just, uh, thinks, you know, it was getting overpopulated at the time. And, and of course it still is New York, you know, New York is New York. So my father was just like the parking, everything. He was just like <laughs> the parking's brutal. Yeah, so he was like, man, we just gotta. And next thing you know, decided to we drove out to Florida. And what was it like growing up in Florida in, in the fight scene? I know they have um, a pretty good fight scene down there. Yeah, yeah, you have some good fighters coming out like Erickson Lubin, yeah, and things like that. You know, so um, it was good. You know, the boxing there was good. Um, and I was always in the top, top five, top ten of those guys that were like the best in Florida. And soon, sooner or later, you know, I just turned out to be better than all of them. Um, I hit the, I hit that. Uh, you hit a stage in in boxing or anything that, or in that state that you've just conquered everything. You accomplish all that, and you need to move on. As you an need, amateur, you're as an about amateur, it. yeah. Well, and what age did you realize that that I want to go pro? Um, I was going to go pro exactly after the Olympics, you know. But that was the thing. I to reach the highest pinnacle in the sport of boxing in the amateurs, in the amateurs, you know. And and then afterwards, then we go and decide on turning pro, of course, and taking this to a whole nother level. 
now you go pro and, and you sign with, with top rank. Was there any other suitors out there, or is it just the the allure of Bob Arum? No, you got no. Bob Arum in a room, and he was like, "What, what do I sign? What do I sign?" No, 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 no. We didn't go directly to top rank. Um, we had uh, other offers like Lou Lou Bella Entertainment, yeah. who wanted to make me king of New York, a king of Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, and great ideas. I was almost close to signing with him, uh, but you know, top rank seen that, and then they took advantage and they they gave me different. Um, they gave me different different things that we liked, you know. Right. They offered better things, and we took advantage of it. And now, look, Top Rank is collabed with uh, ESPN, and Saturday night on Friday on ESPN. Live. Saturday night, yeah, Mason Menard, that's going to open up the show, and uh, I'm looking at his record. You know, it's a very good record. Would you say that he is the, maybe the toughest opponent you've, you've shared a ring with so far as a professional? You know, I think uh, Top Rank, they know what they're doing. You know, um, I want I want the tough fights. Um, William Silver was the toughest, supposedly. You know, um, he fought Felix Verdejo. His only loss was against Felix Verdejo. And, you know, fighting Mason Menard, he's fought Ray Beltran and Devin Haney. So I look at it as, you know, I they say that it's a step up. To me, I feel like it's a tuna fight. But, you know, it is what it is. You know, coming off an injury and everything, right. I would understand. No, but we see what happens. I know he's gonna come and bring the bring the fight, but it doesn't mean that it's gonna change anything. You mentioned the injury. You suffered a, a it was a broken hand in your in your last fight. First time, first time I ever broke my hand. Sixteen years doing this, I take care of my hands very yeah. well. But it was just that night, man. Um, in the first round, uh, I guess it was the wrap. It was it was the wrapping and it was the gloves, and it just messed me up. Now, how has that been? You know, you say it was your first injury, just kind of getting through that, and would you rather have it now or later on in your career when you can maybe have a little more leeway? Uh, no, it's better to happen now. You know, I think all the things that have happened right now is, is good. Everything happens for a reason. You know, um, I got cut in February early, earlier this year, and then, um, yeah, I broke my hand in July. So, damn, man. <laughs> A lot of things have happened, but I think it shows everybody that I could go through all those things, all the adversity and everything, right. and and it doesn't affect me. You know, when I had got cut, I didn't even touch it. I didn't wipe my face or nothing. I was I always wondering, what does it feel like? What, it must you feel that? Obviously, is there a lot of adrenaline running through your veins because you're in the middle of a fight, or when you're cut like that? What does it I feel couldn't. Like? I couldn't see for like two, three rounds. Wow. I couldn't, and um, you know, I wasn't gonna tell my father that or anything like that. And I told him, worst case scenario, if it ever happens again, you just gotta dig in here. Dig in there, but um, you know, I wasn't showing the fighter that I couldn't see. He was not committing because I wasn't showing him any any weaknesses. You know, that's the thing. You have to keep a poker face or whatever it is. If uh, a fighter, see, that's the thing that I've experienced, and that's why I've I've learned how to uh, how to better myself in is just keeping everything straight face. You know, with them, no matter what. If I hurt my hand, bite on your mouthpiece. Yeah. You know, that's what the mouthpiece is there for. Protect your, your you know, protect yeah, you, you don't want to give your opponent any, 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 any signs right. because then you just made it that much harder for you to, to basically um, escape right. from the, you know, from, from that part. Now, should you be victorious Saturday night, I fully expect you to be. Uh, we've seen you do some, some celebrations. I mean, that's what you're, you're, you're known for. Because I, I listened to an interview with your, your father and you, and you said <laughs> it's not just about winning, it's about entertaining, which yeah. I think is, is very important, especially in today's age. There's so much competition out there. What do you have planned, though? Do you have, will you give us a tip here on uh, what you're going to be doing Saturday night? Should you, uh, your hand be raised? Victor, yeah. you can do the flip. We got the Fortnite. We got something new in store. Um, no, everything's uh, you know God willing. Of course, you know we train very hard. Um, yeah, the Fortnite. We're doing another one. Um, we're doing another celebration, <laughs> and we're doing the backflip. So I think we have a lot. You know, I just got to do that all quick because I know that once after the stoppage, they got to look. 
they're gonna look on camera, but they're not gonna wait a whole minute for me to do a celebration. So we're gonna cut everything and make it make it just that that we're gonna make it nice. And these are things, these are ideas that come in my head. And of course, I think these fighters nowadays, you know, um, even the world champions, they're making it making me look that much better because all they do is what they get their ra their hand raised yeah. and then that's it over. People want to see different. You you know they want to. You gotta bring boxing back, man. Boxing hasn't been as exciting since right now. Uh, I was happy about that, you know, Tyson Fury and yeah, what Wilder. What are your thoughts on that? Um, Tyson Fury won the fight. You know, okay. I think, um, but still, Deontay Wilder showed that it's not over until the, the last bell rings, yeah. you know, until it's really over. So, you know, he hit Tyson Fury. I don't know how he got up from that, but I was like, ah, oh, it's over then. But, you know, that's the thing about boxing. You never know, one punch could change the whole fight. Now, with this whole slow 10 count, I don't know if you saw that Wilder posted on, on Instagram. Mm -hmm. you know, no excuses, but, you know, let me make a few excuses real quick. Uh, the, the 10 count, which is something that a lot of fans don't understand, it's, it's, the, it's not one t 10 seconds on, no. on a clock. It's 10 seconds at the ref's discretion. That's something that a lot of fans don't yeah. understand. So when, when a guy goes down, like, it's not just 10 right away. Like, the referee, he starts his count, the went moment. through it all, mm -hmm. and, and Fury got up there. But when he went down there, what were you thinking? Uh, I could see it in his face. He was just like huffing, huffing and puffing like hard. And I was like, yeah, he's out. He's yeah. out. But then all of a sudden, when he hit, when, when Jack hit five, six, then he turned around. I was like, what? What is he doing getting up? Oh, my God. I mean, especially Jack Reese is getting a lot of uh, yeah, publicity lot. now, too. And because and, he's a great referee. I mean, I don't oh, know if yeah. he's ever um, refed any of fights. When I got uh, nominated um, earlier this year, actually, it was after my fight in July. Um, the NABF, they nominated me as Rising Star. And the next day, they were having the refs, uh, they were having, like, a referee, um, <clears throat> like, a meeting. Right. And I was, Jack, Jack Reese was there, and every, everybody else, like, all the legendary um, refs that were out there. And I got to interact with all of them, and they wanted my opinion, and they used me as, since I was one of the fighters, they used me, and what, what do we like and what we don't like from their perspective and stuff like that. What do you think about the, the state of boxing right now? There's like so many different broadcast entities. Do fighters, do you guys pay attention to that stuff? Like who's fighting on what side of the street? That's like a, the biggest thing now in boxing is who's on what side of the street. You know, you're with top rank in ESPN. You look over at, with Al Heyman and with their, their Showtime fighters. Do you keep track of that type of stuff? No, I don't. I, I just stay focused on myself and what's to come. You know, I know I'm in good hands with top rank and plus we have a great, great platform with ESPN. Yeah. You know, you can't beat that. I mean, you so have Stephen A. Smith yesterday. How was yeah, that? I seen Stephen A. Smith. It was great, man. It was absolutely, you know, and Max Kellerman. I just didn't post a picture. Okay. But yeah, I met him as well, and Max knew who I was. Stephen A. You know, he's all into all this other stuff and things like that. I don't blame him. I still got a lot. I still have. Um, I still have a lot to prove. You know. Yeah, but I want to ask you that, like your motivation, like. But we're only ten fights, so I kind of understand when people don't know. If they still don't know me, I'm like, it's fine. I don't blame you, bro. Do you use that as like a, for like a, a mm -hmm. chip on your shoulder? Like, I want to be known by everyone. I walk nah. in a room. Nah, it's, what, what's your motivation? Trust I always me, that, like to ask young fighters that. Yeah, my motivation, um, to be honest, it's just a purpose in my life. is just to take care of others, you know, take care of those kids or anybody, the homeless. And just basically, like, just make a name for myself with my grandfather. You know, his name was the same as, I, as yeah. mine. And my father, you know, just putting Teofimo Lopez up in in a sport of boxing so when I hang up my gloves people will know who I was I so like I think that. that's that's what motivates me the most is is just uh, doing something doing something in this world right. doing something in life so 
Yeah, that's about it. I mean, people will know me. You know, it'll just take time. I mean, they're starting to get to know the name. I mean, yeah, on Saturday night, you're going to have a huge audience with the Heisman lead-in. You're going to be the first fight of the night. But I, but I trust I trust ESPN. I'm, okay. I, I mean, well, why wouldn't you? It's a yeah, worldwide I, leader in sports. So I have... Um, I definitely know what I'm so you know what I'm doing, and they're very happy and they're very they talk very highly of me yeah. now, and they've said that um, every sh every show that they have, if I'm on it, I'm fighting live. So how does it feel to be on a card with Lomachenko, a guy that's at the top of the game and someone that's in your division and someone that I know you want to get your hands on? Um, this isn't the first time I I fought under his uh, under his card, and it won't be the first time that I take over the show. So, you know, come Saturday night, that's what I'm looking forward to. Uh, Lomachenko, you know, you know, you know, no disrespect or anything. He's a, he's he's where he's at, you know, and I'm not gonna take that away from him. But you know, I just don't see anything special in him. Oh, really? Yeah. When you look at his at his fights and you see how technical he is in, in the ring and stuff, he kind of uh... technical in what ways? I mean, he just he does the same thing over and over again footwork? with his footwork. Right. That doesn't make you that much different. Footwork is easy to catch on to. And punching power? What yeah. do you, how do you grade punching, his punching power? Punching power, he doesn't. He What he does is just, it's just the opponents that he has, they're already scared the moment they get in the ring. Yeah. So you're kind of it's a psych like, out thing. Yeah, man. It's, they, they're, all psyched, they're all psyched with him. So it's like, you know, they, he already won. they all here for a paycheck. Right. I think nowadays all these fighters are here just for a paycheck. They don't know, they don't care whether they win or lose. Right. And that's the thing, that, that when I go out there and I fight, you could clearly see that hey Teofimo's having fun and he really wants to win this fight that's that's the most important thing that's the thing I see when I when I watch your fights is it looks like you're having fun out there and yeah. also you're dominating as well which is is a great thing yeah. as well so Teofimo I appreciate you, you coming in here Jack yeah. Doyles and uh look forward to your fight Saturday night Teofimo will be opening the show on ESPN against Mason Menard he's gonna end the year with a bang and then gonna start off 2019 one, one last question I know you're 21 years old and uh, you have 10 fights under your belt, but I know you want to fast track it. A lot of these guys, you know, they, they want to build up like a you know 25 and 0, 26 and 0 before they get that title shot. Are you in that in that class, or do you kind of want to fast track your career and get that title shot? You know, maybe in 2019. I take whatever uh, God gives me. I take whatever it comes with. Um, but I, 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 like I said, my skill sets and everything, it's gonna come to a point in time that top rank and, and ESPN, of course, they all gonna realize, hey, we're putting everybody we can for Teofimo that could give him flaws, and he's not showing any. Right. We're gonna have to give this kid a, a title. And I see two, two. I say next year I'll become world champion, and it's like I'm two, three fights away from it. Okay, so next time we see you here, Jack Dills, you have a strap. Yeah. It'll be strap season. Like like Fifty says, get the strap. <laughs> get the strap. There you go, Teofimo. Thanks for joining us here on Thank Inside you. Boxing Live. All right, it's been a great show. I'm uh, excited to come to you here from Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar. Um, special thanks to our guests for coming on. But this Saturday, I know we talked a lot about Wilder Fury. We talked a lot about uh, this upcoming Lomachenko card. But this Saturday on HBO, it's their final card. 45 years in the making. Uh, what a run it's been. As you know, CompuBox, one of the first clients of HBO. They're like a family to us. And uh, this past week, we, uh, HBO put together a dinner. In New York City, uh, Jim was there, uh, Roy was there, Max was there, Peter Nelson uh, uh, gave a little speech. Of course, uh, Jim, Jim Lampley took to the, the middle of the restaurant and uh, just gave some, uh, a very heartfelt, emotional speech to all the uh, behind-the-scenes people at HBO, all the people that put on those 24-7s and uh, put together the great production that you've seen over the years. It was really emotional. It was right then when I realized that, wow, this is really happening. 
I mean, HBO really is uh, closing their doors for boxing, and we'll see their final show this Saturday. I'm really excited that Larry Merchant will be part of the broadcast. I expect it to be awesome, and I put out a, uh, a question on our CompuBox uh, Twitter. I said, simply, what is your favorite HBO boxing moment? And the, re the replies came, came flying in. Uh, boxing Vibes says George Foreman's classy farewell to boxing, his interview with uh, Larry Merchant. Uh, Robert Brown says Hopkins versus Tito Trinidad after 9-11. That had all the emotions of, uh, of the 9-11, and, and that was a great fight as well. Uh, Gotti Ward showed up a lot. Uh, Dr. Bo says Gotti Ward round nine in particular. Of course, uh, Emmanuel Stewart on the call and uh, Lampley going crazy. A lot of Gotti Wards. Uh, Chris Beniquez says Roy Jones KO of Glenn Kelly. Los the Gooner, my boy Los. Prince Nassim Hamed, Wayne McCullough, Halloween 1998, the ring entrance, great fight. Hasim Ahmed has a special place in my heart for all his crazy ring entrances. Uh, Holyfield Bow won round 10. And then, of course, a lot of people uh, sent in the gif of, uh, of Manny Pacquiao getting floored by uh, Marquez in their fourth fight. But the number one moment, in my opinion, on HBO and a lot of people's opinions when they're sending us uh, their tweets was Larry Merchant in the ring with Floyd Mayweather. If I was 50 years younger, I would kick your ass. I mean, of course, I mean, that's just mine. I know there's some great fights. But that moment kind of summed it all up, and you heard from, from Mark Kriegel talking about Larry Merchant and what he meant to him and what he meant to the sport of boxing. He's a great dude, and uh, HBO is surely going to be missing the boxing world. But that is it here from Inside Boxing Live. We'll see you next week for another hard-hitting edition.